We know we're going to start PMQs, but before we do, I want to remind everybody. The Prime Minister's question. I would like to point out that the British Sign Language interpretation of proceedings is available to watch on Parliament Live TV. We now start with Prime Minister's questions. Dr. James Davies. Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, I know that the whole House will want to join me in paying tribute to Jack Dromey. His working life was devoted to his trade union members and, in recent years, his constituents in Birmingham and Erdington. I was deeply saddened to hear of his death, and my thoughts are with Harriet and the family and all those who knew him as a friend. Mr Speaker, I want to apologise. I know that millions of people across this country have made extraordinary sacrifices over the last 18 months. I know the anguish that they have been through unable to mourn their relatives, unable to live their lives as they want, or to do the things they love. And I know the rage they feel with me and with the government I lead when they think that in Downing Street itself the rules are not being properly followed by the people who make the rules. And though I cannot anticipate the conclusions of the current inquiry, I have learned enough to know that there were things we simply did not get right, and I must take responsibility. Number 10 is a big department with the garden as an extension of the office, which has been in constant use because of the role of fresh air in stopping the virus. And when I went into that garden just after six on the 20th of May 2020, to thank groups of staff before going back into my office 25 minutes later to continue working. I believed implicitly that this was a work event. But, Mr Speaker, with hindsight, I should have sent everyone back inside. I should have found some other way to thank them. And I should have recognised that, even if it could be said technically to fall within the guidance, there would be millions and millions of people who simply would not see it that way, people who suffered terribly, people who were forbidden from meeting loved ones at all, inside or outside. And to them and to this House, I offer my heartfelt apologies. And all I ask is that Sue Gray be allowed to complete her inquiry into that day and several others so that the full facts can be established. And I would, of course, come back to this House and make a statement. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Dr James Davies. Mr Speaker, my constituent Carol Ridgway faces eight weeks of stress and worry as she waits for an urgent appointment at the local breast clinic in North Wales. Yet, despite the pandemic, 85% of patients in England wait only two weeks for their urgent suspected cancer referrals. What can my right honourable friend do to ensure equality of healthcare across Britain? Prime Minister. I thank my honourable friend uh, for his question. I'm sorry about the case that he raises. Of course, health is a 
devolved matter, but I, I thank our NHS colleagues across the whole of the UK, and I point out that the Welsh Government will benefit from an additional £3.8 billion of funding this year, uh, plus a further £270 million uh, to support the response to COVID, Mr Speaker. We now come to the Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I join with the uh, comments about Jack Dromey? Uh, we will, I think, be doing tributes uh, in due course in relation to Jack. Well, there we have it. After months of deceit and deception, the pathetic spectacle of a man who's run out of road. His defence, his defence that he didn't realise he was at a party. <laughs> it is so ridiculous that it's actually offensive to the British public. He's finally been forced to admit what everyone knew, that when the whole country was locked down, he was hosting boozy parties in Downing Street. Is he now going to do the decent thing and resign? Well, uh, Mr Speaker, it it is... I think somebody will be going for an early cup of tea as well. Can I just say... The question's been asked. I want to know the answer. Your constituents want to know the answer. I don't need any extra help either. So please, Prime Minister. Uh, Well, Mr Speaker, I I, I appreciate the the point that he's making about the the event that I uh, I attended. Uh, I want to to repeat that uh, I thought it was a a work event. And, and Mr Speaker, uh, I, 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 I regret... I regret very much. I regret very much that we did not do things differently uh, that evening, uh, Mr. Speaker. As I've said, and I take responsibility and I apologise, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, but as for as for his uh, his political point, I don't think that he should uh, preempt the outcome of the inquiry. And he, uh, he will have he will have a further opportunity, Mr. Speaker. I hope uh, to question me as soon as possible. Well, that apology was pretty worthless, wasn't it? Let me tell him why this matters. Yesterday, in this chamber, honourable members told heart-wrenching stories about the sacrifices people across the country were making. This House and the whole country were moved by the honourable member for Transtrangford as he talked about his mother-in-law dying alone. He was following the rules whilst the Prime Minister was parting in Downing Street. Is the Prime Minister really so contemptuous of the British public that he thinks he can just ride this out? Uh, Mr Speaker, I I heard uh, the testimony of the the Honourable Member opposite, and I I share, I echo his his sentiments. It was was deeply moving. Nobody who heard that uh, could fail uh, to have been moved. And I know that people up and down the country uh, made huge sacrifices throughout this pandemic, uh, Mr Speaker, and I understand the anger, the rage that they feel at the thought that, uh, that, that people in Downing Street were not following those rules. I, 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 regret, I regret the way uh, the event I have described uh, was handled. I bitterly uh, regret it and wish that we could have done things differently, and I have uh, and will continue to apologise what we did, but Mr Speaker, he must wait uh, for the uh, inquiry, which will report as soon as possible. Keir Starmer. 
Mr Speaker, when the Prime Minister's former Health Secretary broke the rules, he resigned, and the Prime Minister said he was right to do so. When the Prime Minister's spokesperson laughed about the rules being broken, she resigned, and the Prime Minister accepted that resignation. Why does the Prime Minister still think that the rules don't apply to him? Mr Speaker, that's not what I've said, and I, I, I understand... I understand the point that he, uh, that he makes. Uh, I, as I've said, Mr Speaker, I uh, regret uh, the way things happened on the evening in question, uh, and I apologise. But if I may say to him, I do think it would be better if he waited until the full conclusion of the inquiry, until the full facts are brought uh, before this House, Mr Speaker, and he will then have an opportunity uh, to put his points again. This just isn't working, Prime Minister. Everyone can see what happened. It started with reports of boozy parties in Downing Street during lockdown. The Prime Minister pretended that he had been assured there were no parties. How that fits with this defence out, I do not know. Then the video landed, blowing the Prime Minister's first defence out of the water. So then he pretended he pretended he was sickened and furious about the parties. Now it turns out he was at the parties all along. Can't the Prime Minister see why the British public think he's lying through his teeth? Prime Minister, it it was what the public think, not what a member is saying. And I certainly don't need any help from round here. If somebody wants to help me, they can help somewhere else. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, it's, it's up to the right honourable gentleman to choose how he uh, conducts himself in this, uh, in this place. Uh, and he's wrong. He's, he's wrong. Uh, I, 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 say to him, I say to him that he is wrong. Uh, he is wrong in what he said in... in, in he said what he is wrong in, in what he said is wrong in several key respects, but Mr. Speaker, that does not detract from the uh, the, the basic point that I want to make today, which it, which is that I I accept that we should have done things differently on that evening. I as I as I've said to the House, I believe that the events in question were within the guidance and were within the rules, and that was certainly the assumption on which I operated. But can I say to to him, Mr. Speaker, that he should wait. He should wait uh, you know, before he jumps to conclusions, Mr. Speaker. And a, a lawyer should respect the the, the, uh, the inquiry. Uh, I, I hope that he will wait until the facts are established and brought to this house. Starmer. Mr. Speaker, so we've got the Prime Minister attending Downing Street parties, a clear breach of the rules. We've got the Prime Minister putting forward a series of ridiculous denials, which he knows are untrue. Yes a clear breach of the ministerial code. That code says ministers who knowingly mislead Parliament will be expected to offer their resignation. The party's over, Prime Minister. The only question is, will the British public kick him out, will his party kick him out, or will he do the decent thing and resign? Mr Speaker, I I, I just want to repeat that I think that the uh, right honourable gentleman, I, and I, I know that his, it is his ob- objective, and he's paid to try to remove me from office, uh, Mr. Speaker. And I, I appreciate that, and I, and I accept that. But may I humbly suggest to him uh, that he should he should wait until 
uh, the inquiry has concluded. Uh, he should study it uh, for himself. And I will certainly respond as appropriate, and I hope that he does. But in the meantime, uh, yes, Mr Speaker, I certainly wish uh, that things had happened differently on the evening of May the 20th, uh, Mr Speaker, and I apologise for all the misjudgments uh, that have been made, for which I take, Mr Speaker, full responsibility. Pierce Starmer. The Prime Minister is a man without shame. The public want answers to their questions. Hannah Brady's father, Sean, was just 55 when he lost his life to COVID. He was a fit and healthy key worker. I spoke to Hannah last night, Prime Minister. Her father died just days before the drinks trolley was being wheeled through Downing Street. And last year, Hannah met the Prime Minister in the Downing Street garden. She looked at the Prime Minister in the eye and told him of her loss. The Prime Minister told Hannah he'd done everything he could to protect her dad. Looking back, what Hannah told me last night was this. She realises that the Prime Minister had parted in that same garden the very day her her dad's death certificate was signed. What Hannah wants to know is this. Does the Prime Minister understand why it makes her feel sick to think about the way that he's behaved? Uh, Mr Speaker, I sympathise deeply with with Hannah, with people who have suffered up and down this country uh, during the pandemic, and I repeat that I wish things had been done differently on that evening, uh, Mr Speaker, and I I repeat my apology for all the misjudgments that uh, may have been made, that were made uh, on my watch uh, in Number 10 and across a government. But I want to, to reassure the people of this country, including Hannah and and her family, uh, that, Mrs Speaker, we have been working to do everything we can to protect her and her family, and it is thanks to the efforts of this Government uh, that we have the most tested population in Europe, with 1.25 million tests being conducted every day. We have been working to ensure that this population, our country, has the most antivirals of any uh, country in, in Europe, and, Mr Speaker, it is because of the efforts of the Government of officials, of staff up and down Whitehall, that we have driven the fastest vaccine rollout in uh, Europe, uh, one of the fastest in the world. And that is the reason, Mr Speaker, that we now have one of the most open economies, if not the most open economy in Europe, uh, and one of the the fastest growing economy, Mr Speaker, in the G7. And, Mr Speaker, whatever the mistakes that have been made on my watch, for which I I apologise and which I fully acknowledge, that is the work, Mr Speaker, that has been going on in Number 10 Downing Street. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Education is one of the biggest factors when it comes to levelling up. It's what ensures that people right across the country have access to the same opportunities, and it's a key part of my mission to transform lives in Burnley and Paddington. With that in mind, would the Prime Minister work with me to ensure that Burnley becomes the best place to study, whether you're in primary and secondary school, looking for an apprenticeship in advanced engineering, or undertaking a degree in cyber security? Uh, yes, I thank my, my honourable friend, and we're investing in uh, education up and down uh, the country. And I'm delighted that Burnley College was part of a successful pro- proposal to become an institute of technology. 
and uh, that Burnley is home to the growing University of Central Lancashire campus, uh, making it a fantastic place to study in Lancashire. Leader of the SNP, Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I add my uh, remarks in terms of Jack Dromey, someone who was a festy fighter for workers' rights and an inspiration to so many of us across this House for the way that he conducted himself. We will miss him and condolences to Harriet and to the rest of the family. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister stands before us accused of betraying the nation's trust, of treating the public with contempt, of breaking the laws set by his own government. A former member of Her Majesty's Armed Forces, Paul, wrote to me this morning. His father died without the love and support of his full family around him because they followed the regulations, Prime Minister. Paul said, as an ex-soldier, I know how to follow the rules, but the Prime Minister has never followed any rules. He does what he wants and he gets away with it every time. The Prime Minister can't get away with it again. Will the Prime Minister finally do the decent thing and resign, or will his Tory MPs be forced to show him the door? Prime Minister. Well, I, I thank the right honourable gentleman, but I must, I, and I, I want to offer my condolences to, uh, to his constituent who wrote to him, and uh, just to, to remind him of, of what I've, I've, I've said earlier. And uh, with the greatest respect to him, I think that he should wait until the in- inquiry has concluded. Ian Blackford. It's an open and shut case. It's an event that should have taken place. It broke the law, Prime Minister. And what's so galling about that response? is that the Prime Minister feels no shame for his actions. The public suffered pain and anguish at being kept apart from their families. All the while, the Prime Minister was drinking and laughing behind the walls of his private garden. The public overwhelmingly think that the Prime Minister should resign. Trust has been lost and the public will not forgive or forget. If the Prime Minister has no sense of shame, then the Tory backbenchers must act to remove them. They know the damage is done. This weak and contentious Prime Minister can no longer limp on. The message from the public is clear. Remove this unfit Prime Minister from office and do it now. Prime Minister. Well, I, again, I just want to uh, thank the Right Honourable Gentleman for his, his, his political uh, advice, which I will take with a pinch of salt uh, since it comes from the Scottish Nationalist Party. Uh, but I think that uh, most people looking objectively at what this government has uh, delivered over the last 18 months would agree uh, that, in, uh, and I, I, I renew my uh, contrition for the mistakes that have been made, uh, but we have delivered the fastest vaccine and the fastest booster rollout uh, in Europe. And, and the result is that across our whole of our United Kingdom, Mr. Speaker, uh, we have uh, the, uh, a record number of people back in work. Simon Fell. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. On Friday, I met with the chief executive of my local hospital trust, the University Hospitals of Morecambe Bay, uh, to talk about how they were managing COVID and the impact it was having on them. Um, the impact is stark. They've got about 12 to 15% of their workforce away isolating and 140 beds, that's about 20% of the total, blocked because they can't get people back out into social care and the community. So with that in mind, will my right honourable friend consider reducing the self-isolation period if it's seen to be safe to do so down to five days 
uh, and also accepting any MACA requests which come through to help get people back out into the community and into social care. Uh, yes, Mr Speaker, well, we're certainly looking at reducing the isolation uh, period and uh, hope to bring you more, uh, Mr Speaker, about that as fast as possible. We'll certainly look at all MACA uh, requests. Uh, but more fundamentally, what we can do to alleviate the pressures uh, in his hospital is to, is to fix the, the health and social care uh, divide, which is what this government uh, is also doing after uh, a generation of neglect. Stephen Farrell. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Today's apology is too little, too late. If the Prime Minister was sincere, he could have apologised at any stage over the past 18 months, yeah, yeah. Yeah. rather than waiting until he was found out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My constituents in North Down and people across the UK feel betrayed by the Prime Minister. We have had over 150,000 deaths from COVID over the past couple of years. We have seen standards in public life trashed. So for once, can the Prime Minister do the honourable thing and resign for the sake of the public health message and for standards in our democracy. Yeah. Well, Mr. Speaker, I, I, I can only repeat what I've uh, said, and I, I understand uh, the uh, feelings he has about the effect of this pandemic on the on this country, and I and I, I, I certainly grieve for uh, everybody uh, who has died and who, and who, and who has suffered. Uh, but on his on his political point, uh, can I propose that he, he waits uh, for the inquiry to report? Thank you, Mr Speaker. I recently visited my local job centre and I'm absolutely pleased to announce that the adult claim account is down 28% and the young adult claim account is down 40%. Will the Prime Minister join me in thanking all the hard work of the Starbridge Job Centre for their dedication to actually achieve these results? and also to contribute to the jobs revival that's happening across the West Midlands. 61,000 new jobs since March 2021. Yes, indeed, Mr Speaker, and I I thank her for for that. And it's notable that the opposition uh, don't like to uh, dwell on these these points, but it is an astonishing fact uh, that we have 420,000 more people in work uh, now than before uh, the pandemic began, uh, and youth unemployment at a record low, Mr Speaker. Stephen Bobber. Mr Speaker, another week, another scandal for this Prime Minister and his utterly shameless government. For two years, my constituents made sacrifice after sacrifice, spending time away from our loved ones, missing out on important life events. Some paid the ultimate sacrifice while he parted away. Figures released just last night show that 79% of people in Scotland think the Prime Minister should step down. Does the Prime Minister now realise that it's clear to all that while he may not understand how to be socially distant from others, there is no doubt that he is morally distant from the rest of us across these nations. And the best thing he can do now is go. Resign, Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I I thank the uh, Honourable Member for the SNP and I I repeat the point that that I've made earlier on. I don't think that he should uh, preempt or anticipate uh, the inquiry. John Morrissey. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Colne Valley Regional Park runs through my constituency and the Prime Minister's. Um, Would my right honourable friend join me in paying tribute to the volunteers who tirelessly work to preserve this precious green space? And will he work with me to create better protections for this park moving forward? Prime Minister. I I certainly will. I join her in thanking the wonderful 
uh, volunteers and uh, I will do what I can to uh, assist her in protecting this uh, beautiful green space. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. On a different topic to that of my uh, right honourable friend, the Leader of the Opposition, but a related one. Last week at Prime Minister's Questions, the Prime Minister was asked about his previous claim about uh, that, that his previous claims about inflation were unfounded, and in his reply, he told the House he had said no such thing. But within minutes, the inevitable happened, and people were watching videos on social media saying exactly that. So would the Prime Minister like to take this opportunity to correct the record and apologise for mis misleading the House on this matter? That would be inadvertently misleading the House, Prime Minister. Uh, no, Mr Speaker, because I immediately said uh, in my answer to the question that, uh, of course, you had to be concerned about inflation uh, at all times. Uh, what, I, what I said, uh, I think, on, on TV was that some of, the, some of the predictions then about inflation had not uh, proved uh, well-founded. But clearly, inflation is a, is a serious risk. Uh, it is going up. And uh, you, what we need is a strategy to tackle it. And that's what we have. Richard Drax. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, my constituent, uh, Grant Bailey, went back to Afghanistan in September. He disappeared in December, around Christmas time. We think the Taliban have him. Can my right honourable friend uh, advise me and his family whether he knows anything about this man, who has him, and what is being done to get him home? Yeah, I, I thank my honourable friend and, uh, for raising the case with me, uh, and I hope I will organise a, a meeting for him uh, with the relevant minister uh, as soon as possible to, to establish what we can do to help Grant. He's not apologised, Mr. Speaker, for breaking the rules and breaking the law. He's sorry because he's been caught. He is bang to rights. So when my constituents were making unimaginable, unimaginable decisions, he was hosting a boozy party in Downing Street. So how does he think he can still maintain the one rule for him and another for the rest of us. Yeah. He cannot and he must resign. Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, I refer to the answer I gave earlier on. Peter Bond. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. This Friday, uh, my private member's bill, BBC licence fee abolition, gets its second reading. It will abolish the BBC licence fee and require the BBC to be funded uh, by subscription. In this day and age, it's ridiculous to have a state broadcaster. It's ridiculous that people are forced to pay a fee just because they have a television. And what is totally wrong that people who believe the BBC to be institutionally biased have to subsidise them. Mr Speaker, will the Prime Minister, if he's free on Friday, come along and support the bill? Uh, uh, Mr Speaker, I, I have the highest respect for the 
for the, for the media uh, judgment of my uh, my honourable friend, uh, and I, though I I understand some of his strictures about the BBC, Mr. Speaker, I would also say that it is a great national uh, institution. Uh, but I will I will study what he has to say uh, with interest. Toby Perkins. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. We've all had prime ministers that we disagreed with or we didn't rate, but there's never been one that debased the office in the way that this. He's now forced to lie down in the back of his car to keep away from photographers. We all know the Prime Minister was sacked from two previous jobs for life. So can he explain to the House why he believes that the great office of Prime Minister can be held to a lower standard than those previous jobs that he was sacked from? Uh, well, I welcome the, part, the, the, the point that the Honourable Gentleman makes I, 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 in, this part, in, the, in the partisan spirit with which I think it was uh, intended. Uh, I, I don't agree with him, uh, but can I suggest to him respectfully that he waits until uh, the inquiry is concluded, which I hope will be as soon as possible. Roberta Costa. Washing machine manufacturers are considering installing microfiber filter systems in all new washing machines. Will the Prime Minister ask his ministers? Will the Prime Minister ask his ministers to look at? We've got a slight problem. Some of you want to catch my eye. The longer this question takes, the less other people will get in. People laughing at plastic pollution. Mr. Speaker, will the Prime Minister ask his ministers to look into the viability of my bill, which has cross party support and seeks to introduce inexpensive microplastic filters on all new washing machines? Well, I want to thank my honourable friend for uh, his campaign. And I believe that we should tackle microplastic pollution, Mr. Speaker. Uh, and I, I'm glad that DEFRA are looking at the introduction of legislation uh, for microfiber filters on washing machines as, as a cost beneficial uh, solution. And I, I will make sure that my right honourable friend, Secretary of State for the Environment, will keep him informed of, of how we're doing. Mr. Brenda Sharma. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I too wish to join colleagues in paying tribute to Jack Drumming. I knew him first in the early 70s and worked with him on the Grunwick strike. He will be greatly missed. Mr. Speaker, thousands of men and women in Afghanistan supported the NATO mission, and they have been abundant. In six months, we will don't have a credible route to help people out of Afghanistan safely. The most recent update from the FCDO is directly contradicted by the UN. While the FCDO claims that from spring the UNHCR will make referrals to evacuation schemes, the UNHCRC own website is very clear they make no such reference. Mr. Speaker, is the government creating a Kafkaesic system to intentionally fail those we owe something to? Or is this yet another case of the amateurism and hopelessness that prioritized pen farthings pets over human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Uh, 
Mr Speaker, I believe he does a serious injustice to the efforts of local councils up and down the country uh, to look after people coming uh, from Afghanistan, uh, and I think he does an injustice to the efforts of the, of the UK. Uh, we, are proud, we are proud already under Operation uh, Pitting to have evacuated 15,000 people uh, from Afghanistan, Mr Speaker, and we have allocated £286 million in aid, in assistance uh, for people uh, in Afghanistan, and we are continuing to offer uh, safe passage to this country from Afghanistan. Paul Holmes. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister will be aware that Eastleigh was formed as a railway town from producing locomotives and carriages to building gliders for the D-Day landings. Eastleigh has a proud railway heritage. Here, here. Given this pedigree, the excellent transport links and the need to level up the south, does he agree with me that Eastleigh would make the perfect home for the new headquarters of Great British Railways? <laughs> well, Mr Speaker, my, my honourable friend is a great champion for, for Eastleigh, uh, and as I told the House earlier, further details of the competition to identify the new Great British Railways headquarters will be announced in the coming weeks. Mr Speaker, in my constituency of Stockport, the average rent for a two-bedroom property is an unaffordable £800. And uh, recently, uh, in the last 13 years, the the rents have been significantly uh, increasing. One constituent contacted me recently to explain that she and her husband, who are in their 70s and suffer from ill health, have just been served with a Section 21 notice after living in the property for almost 20 years. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister's own manifesto promised a better deal for renters, which included abolishing no-fault evictions. So when will he scrap this practice and reintroduce the much-needed Renters' Reform Bill, which seems to have been kicked into the long grass? Minister. Well, Mr Speaker, the, one of the first things I did when I became Prime Minister was to uprate local housing allowance to, so that people on social rent uh, would be able to afford uh, where they uh, live more easily. is a key component of uh, tackling the cost of living, Mr Speaker, but what we're also doing is building record numbers of homes, Mr Speaker, and uh, I was very pleased to see uh, a, a huge increase in the number of people able uh, to get the homes that they need, uh, but the point that he makes about renters is also uh, very, very important. And that's why we're tackling the rights of renters as well. Jack Brereton. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. 56 million through the levelling up fund, yeah, 40 yeah, million yeah, yeah, through transforming yeah. cities. This is just some of the investment we've secured for yeah, Stoke on yeah, 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 Would my yeah, yeah. right honourable friend agree, after decades of neglect, yeah. this Conservative Party is the only party that is levelling up opportunities in Stoke on Prime Minister. Uh, well, I thank uh, my, my honourable friend. He is a fantastic champion uh, for Stoke-on-Trent, and uh, in addition to all the uh, all the all the things that, for, that we are supporting in Stoke-on-Trent, I am delighted to say that uh, Stoke-on-Trent will become the home to the Home Office as well. Dr. Philip Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I think this session shows how much of a distraction the Prime Minister's behaviour has been. I want to ask him that after a recent survey showed 37% of small businesses felt totally unprepared for the introduction of import controls, rules of origin and the upcoming SPS checks. So will he listen to the FSB and introduce financial and technical support to those small businesses, or is he just too busy drinking in his garden? Uh, Mr Speaker, I I thank you, but uh, what we are are doing is offering uh, financial and technical support to uh, businesses, and uh, they are responding magnificently. And as we come out of uh, the pandemic, we are seeing, as I I said to the House earlier on, uh, record numbers of people in work and youth unemployment at a record low. Unless you can. 
Speaker. The motto of England's smallest county, Rutland, is multum in parvo, much in little, and never has that been more true than the last two weeks. The greatest Roman discovery in 200 years, an ichthyosaur, the greatest fossil discovery in 100 years. So will he please support us to build a new tourism industry and two heritage museums in Rutland to preserve these amazing discoveries in our county? Prime Minister. Well, Mr. Speaker, I am abs- I'm agog. Uh, I- I'm longing to uh, come and see the- this ex- these extra- this extraordinary additions to the cultural heritage uh, of Rutland, and I thank her uh, in, uh, in dro- for drawing it to my attention, and I look forward to making a visit as soon as I can. Daniel Zeitner. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Speaker, the government's flagship Green Homes Grant scheme collapsed in a £1.5 billion shambles at the end of last year, with just 81 vouchers issued in Cambridge and just 85 in the Prime Minister's constituency. With energy bills about to go through the roof, what is it about this government that makes it so peculiarly unable to run a basic loft lagging scheme? <laughs> Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, it's, it, we, are, we are supporting uh, measures to retrofit homes up and down the country. Uh, and uh, in addition, uh, what we are to, in order to, to uh, improve the insulation, Mr Speaker, but what we're also doing is supporting people with the costs of their fuel. We will continue uh, to do that through the, uh, the warm homes discount, the, the, fuel, the winter fuel uh, allowance and all the other payments that we make. On Welsh free ports, can the Prime Minister confirm to me and my unasmorn constituents that the UK Government is committed to at least one free port in Wales? And he can, can he give an update to the House as to how discussions are progressing with the Welsh Government? Yes. Prime Minister. Uh, well, I, th- I, th- I thank my Honourable Friend. I can tell her that the, uh, my right Honourable Friend, the Secretary of State for Levelling Up, is indeed uh, talking to uh, his counterparts in the Welsh Government about establishing a free port in Wales, and I, I urge our friends in the Welsh Government uh, to uh, agree those plans as a matter of urgency. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Government commissioned NatSEN to research the use of health and disability benefits, but has yet to publish the findings. Its own protocol for publication states, social research must be released in a way that promotes public trust. The cost of living crisis is hitting disabled people hard at a time when many people were already struggling and it's surely time to start rebuilding their trust. So will the Prime Minister commit today to publishing this research? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, we will do everything we can to support people throughout the, uh, the recovery period from uh, the pandemic. Uh, we, we, will, we will support disabled people and we continue to increase our, our support for, for families up and down uh, the country. And uh, she, makes a, uh, she requests that, that we publish the research. We will do so as soon as we can, Mr Speaker. Jenkinson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I thank my right honourable friend for his continued support for new nuclear? Hear, hear. Following the passing of our landmark nuclear financing bill this week, will he put his weight behind my efforts and those of my Cumbrian colleagues to bring large and small new nuclear to Cumbria? Prime Minister. Uh, I I thank my honourable friend, and he is quite right that uh, one of the disasters of the uh, Labour administration uh, over the 13 years of Labour was that they allowed a total collapse in our nuclear uh, power, Mr. Speaker. I'm afraid, which is one of the reasons we have a shortage, a shortage of energy, and that's why we're investing now in small modular reactors as well as, as, the, as the big projects. Chris Brown. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. So the Prime Minister didn't spot that he was at a social event. <laughs> that, that's the excuse, isn't it? Come off it. 
I mean, how stupid does the Prime Minister think the British people are? The worst of it is, he's already managed to completely destroy Allegra Stratton's career. He's tarnished the reputation of Lord Guite. And now he's making fools of every single MP who cheered him earlier. Every single one who goes out on the radio and television to defend this shower of shenanigans. Would it not be absolutely despicable if, in the search for a scapegoat, some junior member of staff ends up losing their job, but he kept his? I, I'm, I'm grateful as ever, Mr Speaker, to uh, the, the right honourable gentleman, I think a former member of the Conservative Party, as I, uh, as I understand it, uh, but uh, I, I'm grateful to him for his party, his party political uh, advice. I, I, don't, I don't agree with him, uh, Mr Speaker. I, I've come to this House uh, to uh, make amends, to, to, to explain, to explain uh, what happened on May the 20th and to apologise. Uh, but, Mr Speaker, I, I, I really think that, uh, with all humility, I must ask him uh, to, wait, to wait for the result of the inquiry, where he will have abundant opportunity, Mr Speaker, to question me again and to make his party political points again. But until then, Mr Speaker, I, I'm going to ignore his advice. Jonathan Gullis. Thank you, Mr Speaker. of respondents took part in the Stoke-on-Trent North Kidsgrove and Talk Bus Back Better survey, ah. of which 80% said they would use the bus more if services were improved. The Conservative-led Stoke-on-Trent City Council has submitted a fantastic Bus Back Better bid for £90 million to improve our infrastructure and our services. So will the Prime Minister make our day in Stoke-on-Trent and announce that that money is coming soon? Yeah. I thank him for his fantastic championing of uh, of Stoke Contract. I also thank him, uh, Mr. Speaker, for volunteering to serve as a teacher yeah. again, uh, during the pandemic. A, a, fan, a, a wonderful thing uh, to do, uh, Mr. Speaker. And I will certainly look uh, and see what we can do uh, to satisfy his request for more buses in Stoke as fast as possible. Final question, Ed Davey. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, can I join in the tributes to Jack Dromey, an outstanding trade unionist and member of this House? Yeah. Mr Speaker, after another shameful week for his government, this has been a shameful attempt to apologise uh, to this House today. So can the Minister, Prime Minister explain why the only person to resign so far for this scandal is Allegra Stratton, a woman, while he, the man who sanctioned and attended at least one party in 10 Downing Street, still sits in his place? Mr Speaker, advisers advise and ministers decide. So will the Prime Minister, for the good of the country, accept that the party is over and decide to resign? Mr Speaker, I thank him for his uh, question. Uh, uh, I I respect the the point that he's making, but I must say I I disagree. And I would ask him on the, on the, uh, I would ask him to wait and see what the inquiry says. And I will, I'll be very happy uh, to talk to him then. We, I'm going to let people leave before we start the urgent question. 